Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. How do we remove the barriers to higher education to ensure people have a fair chance to succeed? We check in with two presidents of local community colleges and an academic researcher who all believe that free or inexpensive community college can help strengthen and stabilize our workforce. There's a very unique value to attending a college that has the flexibility to be able to serve and meet students where they are. As Pride Month continues, Sharaday Howard is putting LGBTQ plus civil rights front and center. We have regulations and laws on the books that protect folks here in Philadelphia, and people don't realize when things happen, like RBG dying. That's all coming up on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. It's that time of year again. College students are graduating and moving out, and high school seniors are graduating and getting ready to move into their new digs at college. It's a pretty exciting time for parents and students and teachers. Also exciting, as you may have noticed, is all the Facebook posts featuring the big universities that students have signed on to. Of course, that's all great and terrific. But I don't see many posts about students who are preparing to go to a community college. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not. But why not all the showcasing that the big universities get? Joining me today for a discussion on the topic is Dr. Lavelle Pubasset. She's president of Camden County College. Dr. Donald Generals is president of the Community College of Philadelphia. And Sarah Goldrick Rapp, a Philadelphia-based academic researcher and founder of Temple University's Hope Center for College Community and Justice. And she is author of the book, Paying the Price, College Costs, Financial Aid, and the Betrayal of the American Dream. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Now, those posts from proud parents, often in my circle, actually, that's how I'm going. I'm going by what I see in my circle, feature all the big universities. Um, but we know for a fact that some are actually going to be going to community college, but I don't see the post about that. So my first question to all of you is, what's wrong with community college education? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I would Nothing. assume that. So why are Nothing. we seeing what we're seeing? I, I mean, I saw a lot of you nodding your heads when I was talking about all those Facebook posts. It's true. It, it is true. Yeah. And I have to say, I started a big Twitter thread about exactly this um, at the same time that I saw it happening because I couldn't believe we're still in the same place. You know, this hasn't changed over time. We have all these people saying college is costing me a fortune. We have all these people saying my mental health isn't great. Mm -hmm. And yet we're defining the only way to go to a real college is to go away to a college. And frankly, in many cases, to stretch well beyond what you're going to be able to afford. Um, and especially, by the way, to afford for many years, because the average time it takes a student to get a four-year degree is often about five to five and a half years. Yeah, that's true. We know that at least probably 40% of the whole region is going to community college, but nobody's saying it. Look at that. 
Dr. Pugh Bassett we, again. Dr. Oh, sorry. Yes. I think we're swimming against history here. We're relatively new as a sector in the higher ed landscape, um, and we're competing, if you will, against institutions that are over 100, 200 years, some cases to over 200 years old. Um, I think that will change, and I think it is changing in many ways, but I think we're butting up against culture and history and tradition. Mm. Um, and I think the second thought that people have are all the things that Sarah says when they realize what the costs are. And we can talk about the thousands of students that after one semester, they're right back at our doors because uh -huh. the reality of the cost, the reality of the type of education they're getting um, sets in and they realize that the community college is probably the best fit for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that in many cases, we're finding ourselves still looping back to the experiences and mindsets of the parents of the students. Right who are showcasing and highlighting four-year institutions yeah. and their understanding of the value of community colleges. And I think that in some cases we have to kind of go against the narrative, swimming upstream, really trying to change the narrative about the value, importance, and celebrating community college attendance. And I think that one thing that uh, we've done at Camden County College to try to do that is really just bolster student engagement, making students proud mm. to be at a community college and certainly not ashamed. And some of the partnerships that we have will help us with that four-year leverage in order to be able to showcase that they're going to a four-year institution after they start with us. Yeah. But I agree with the rest of my colleagues here that we just have to change the narrative. I think I that think there's so. some level of history that kind of goes against us in that right. way. And Sarah, you said something. You called it, you know, a real college. Like community college isn't a real college. And that the fact that we are still here in this presence, still saying that real college. Like, I'm surprised. It was very intentional, that. frankly, um, a number of years ago, almost a decade ago, when I started trying to talk publicly about things I was seeing in my research studies where students, for example, were going homeless to go to college, yeah. which is something I've worked a lot on. I really started to notice the disjuncture where, you know, I'd even be reading a book for young adults, um, you know, I have teenagers, and I would see this discussion about what a real college was. Right. I created a whole movement called Hashtag Real College to redefine that. Mm. And the fact of the matter is that the student who is young and has parents who help them goes immediately right after college, lives on campus, parties, you know, doesn't hardly work, they are a vanishingly rare breed at this point. They are less than 15% of college students and they get all of the attention. Hmm. It is so much more common to go in your 20s or 30s to maybe commute. And frankly, everybody's commuting because they're coming from their own homes. It's not just like they live with their parents. Right. Overwhelmingly working. This is the majority experience. And so the other thing I think we need to call out, especially in a city that's, you know, in a region that's talking so much about equity at this point, is that we're lifting up and celebrating a very rarefied thing that's happening for, frankly, the people with the most resources. And in not talking about the rest, it is sort of a way of saying, you're just not as good. Something's wrong with you. You're going to community college because you couldn't get in. What if you never even applied? Well, yeah, Sarah, you are saying all the quiet parts out loud here, I have <laughs> yes. to say. And I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are because, you know, it takes discussions like this uh, to kind of break the stigma and while we're talking about it, let's talk about some of the benefits of a community college education. If you could, Dr. Generals, what are some of the benefits of going to community college of uh, Philadelphia? Sure. I think at the top of the list is cost. Um, those students that ultimately go to the top tier universities, which most of our students do, 70% of our students transfer, 
they've probably saved anywhere between seventy to a hundred thousand dollars, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the same quality of education. We're all accredited institutions. We get accredited by the same institution, so the quality of education is very comparable. I think that the services that we provide are far far exceed what a four-year institution would. You can very easily get lost in a big city university where at a community college you get personalized attention. You know, I think at the end of the day, we have programs that try to meet some of the basic needs that students are suffering from, homelessness, food insecurity, and so forth. All of us have programs that meet those basic needs. We look at students and we try to address them for where they are and bring them to where they want to be. So I don't think you get that customized care at four-year institutions. You know, that may be an overgeneralization, mm-hmm. but certainly you don't get it to the degree that you get it here. And let me and let me say, to your point, there is this prestigious element there, but students are voting with their feet because mm-hmm. half mm-hmm. of all the undergraduates in the country are going to a community college. Look at that. Look mm-hmm. at that. Dr. P. Bassett, some of the uh, benefits of attending uh, Camden County College. Yeah, so there's a very unique value to attending a college that has the flexibility to be able to serve um, and meet students where they are. Mm -hmm. We're not cherry picking. So we don't have the luxury of being able to opt out of serving a student with some complex needs. Right. So Mm -hmm. we do um, create programs and services that do support students who are justice impacted students who are aging out of foster care, students who are suffering from homelessness and have increased mental health needs. Mm -hmm. The other part I want to add upon, because Dr. Generals really did give a great overview of the value, is that there is a certain level of socialization that doesn't happen at four-year institutions that happen at community colleges. Community colleges serve students that to 65, 70 years old. How many times do you have an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old be able to share a classroom space with someone who has experienced the things that their parents or their grandparents have experienced? And how much value and how rich is that experience when a a student is able to engage and learn the same content but be able to see different lenses from which to view that content, right? So we we do add a a little bit of a spice to it. I say the hot sauce that we add to (laughs) the educational experience because we do have the luxury of being able to pivot and to be able to respond to the needs. There are four year institutions are very static and they serve based upon tradition. We're a little bit more fluid and if the ebbs and flows take us in different directions based upon our demographic, we have the ability to be able to respond to that. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. And let's talk a little bit more about the cost. I know that uh, in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, uh, there are some programs where it can be free for some. But I know, Sarah, I know that you're a big proponent for community college should be free for all. And I know Biden's initiative kind of remains stalled. It's dead at the federal level. You think it should be free. Everybody should have access. Well, so I want to clarify what I mean by that in particular. So for about 50 years, this country has said that it believes that if you are lower income, you really shouldn't have to take loans for college, that you should be able to use grants. And that's what the Pell Grant program was supposed to do. Um, In fact, though, it has failed. The federal government has never funded that program properly. So what that means is these are the lowest income people, often with average incomes of $30,000 or less. They were supposed to use the grant, go to community college or four-year public, frankly, 
and have it 100% be covered. These days, it only covers about 60% or less. And so we're seeing 90% of low-income students going into higher education, and they're having trouble repaying, and it's hampering their ability to become economically stable. So that's the problem I'm trying to address, Mm -hmm. right? We also know that there are people with a lot of talent dropping out of college every day, people with A's and B's, just because of price. Cost of attending college, including at community college, is not mainly about tuition. Everybody talks about tuition. The real biggest price of attending college is rent. It's Uh, rent and food, and I'm not the first to say that. That's in federal law. So when I say something like make it free, though, I'm talking about the kind of way that we do for K-12 education, where we integrate, on the one hand, tuition and fees are free. And on the other hand, there are programs that can help you get free housing. Programs that provide, like the National School Lunch Program, that provide the food. I'm talking about an integration, not just one new policy. Yeah. This movie has played out before mm-hmm. with high schools exactly. 100 years ago. High schools, if you didn't go to an elite private school or religious institution, you just didn't go to high school. You went to seventh, eighth, maybe sixth grade, actually. Um, and eventually, our society realized that it was a public good that um, in order to support our economy, the social good, we needed to um, be able to support high school. So high schools, for them, you know, they're public now. And I think we're young. We're 55, 60 years old. I think in 20 years, mm-hmm. that will be a reality. They're pushing real hard for that. But in the meantime, Philadelphia does have a free community college program, the Cato Scholarship Program, which um, Mayor Kenny has supported for the next five years. Any student is a full-time student, which so it does have its limitations. Um, they can't come to school. It's a last-dollar scholarship, so after financial aid, whatever financial aid doesn't cover, they will cover. And there's a stipend. per year, in addition to the books and everything else. In addition to some of the programs that we offer to students who have specific criteria to be able to attend for free, you know, there's this idea or need to have to kind of piece together different uh, resources, financial Mm -hmm. supports for our students and try to help them to be able to put the puzzle pieces together to come up with a whole to be able to cover the cost of college. And even then we fall short because there are still, like you said, some of those needs that, that fall outside of the purview of actual tuition and fees and books and those kinds of costs. What our foundation has done is been able to supplement some of the costs for mm-hmm. our students to pay textbook fees for students or pay for some of the costs or try to remove some of those financial barriers for students. So don't want to pull a student into my institution if I don't have the services and supports to allow them to graduate. That really defeats the purpose. You know, if I can say in New Jersey, there is more public subsidy. I'm talking public taxpayer dollars at the state and federal level going to Princeton than there is to Camden County College. And it's not even close. It's like five times as much money. And that's kind of weird because most people in New Jersey will never get a shot at Princeton. It's not like most people (laughs) have, you know, I, I know that Princeton offers very nice things, but it's not like the economy of that state is powered by Princeton. It is powered by its county colleges. I mean, there is a lot of evidence in higher ed finance. If people were to look at higher education the way they look at Mm K-12 and say, wait a minute, do the most dollars go to the places where the students are essentially the richest? Right. In K-12, we go, well, that's weird. We have a lawsuit. Right. We actually win that lawsuit. That same lawsuit could be leveraged in higher education quite easily. It's just that the law doesn't yet say that is wrong. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. Uh, you bring up some really excellent points as far as the, you know, the barrier. I wanted to talk about the makeup of community colleges. Um, I know that 40% of Hispanics, 50% of African Americans in higher education 
are attending community colleges. Um, but are there specific programs that are in place right now for that demographic for community college? Absolutely. Demographics, you know, that's something that we look at quite regularly. Um, it's probably closer to 65, 70 percent mm. um, students of color. We have a smaller percentage of, of Latinx students, probably around 15 percent. Um, and then the balance are whites and others. But we have a Center for Male Engagement, which is our, our starship, if you will. It's for students, men of color primarily, but women can also um, get in it. We have a women's center because women have um, particular needs as it relates to child care and, you know, things of that sort. Our newest program is the I Am More program, which is for returning citizens, of which it would be tough for us to make our enrollment if we didn't enroll students who had at some point in their lives been involved with the um, criminal justice system. So we have um, counseling and advising and mentoring program for them. We have an LGBTQ center, and we provide services for them. I wanted to ask you specifically about the program for um, men of color. And I know that you're specifically concerned about retaining uh, men of color in um, community colleges. Uh, why is that important? Well, first of all, if you just look at the numbers, men in general only represent about a third of the entire population. Men of color is half that. And so we, we think it's important. We think there are um, identity issues you know, feeling comfortable about who you are and your importance to your community, trying to instill in them that importance and how they should be leaders. And, you know, the expectation is that you will ultimately be a leader in your community. So we grab them right out of high school and we put them through a pretty rigorous summer program. We have a residency. They have advisors and counselors along the way. And then it's kind of a model for that level of support because those students will eventually get through the program. Their numbers exceed the general population. And we've extended our tentacles, if you will, into the community with the community knowing that ultimately students will have a place um, at Community College of Philadelphia. Dr. P. Bassett? Yeah, so we are uniquely positioned. We have three campuses, one in Cherry Hill, one in Blackwood, both are suburban, and then we have one in Camden City. Mm -hmm. But because Camden City is more than 75% students of color, there are a number of programs that are concentrated specifically in our Camden City campus. We have a Camden Scholars Program, which is open to all students throughout the county where students are able to get support services, mentoring, um, anything that will relieve barriers by way of financial resources to support them. The Youth Services Commission has provided us with funding to help students who are justice impacted. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that in Camden County in particular, there is a disproportionate number of people of color who are incarcerated. And this program is designed to create opportunities and pathways for students who are justice impacted. And when I say justice impacted, I don't mean they themselves may have been incarcerated, but they may have family members that might modify their journey and that might cause some type of barrier for them to be able to succeed themselves. So our demographic is not quite as high with regard to our people of color in our campuses. We have 44% students of color, 22 and 22 pretty much even mm -hmm. between Latinos and African Americans. So it's not necessarily necessarily as um, as much. But the um, concern that I have is that we also have a high number of our students of color who are not being retained and who are not graduating. Mm -hmm. And so there is still a need to have heavy emphasis on providing services and supports for those students so that they can see themselves to realization. As a whole, um, Sarah, do you think we are pushing these advanced degrees uh, on students too much when there are just other industries that are actually suffering in the mean meanwhile? 
I think the concern with that kind of talk is about four-year colleges as if it was the only thing to be done. And it ignores the fact that um, degrees and certificates from community colleges, which, by the way, are not just two-year degrees for transfer. They're also one-year certificates and sometimes even shorter. They can have higher economic value than a bachelor's degree in certain fields. In addition, I think one of the coolest things that's happened in Philadelphia are the partnerships with the unions around issues of apprenticeship. And also, when you say trade school, guess what? That's what happens at community college. Talk about some of the career paths that are best suited for community college. I think um, the healthcare field is probably the most dominant um, mm-hmm. career path of our students. You know, certainly the business tracks. We have a brand new career tech center in West Philly where we provide all the technology and now heavy, heavy um, truck and um, bus technology um, training as well. And certainly any of the computer science programs, you know, we do offer training and um educational pathways for students that are in the computer networking and or the computer cloud computing, um, machine learnings, which is the basis that everybody's getting in a tizzy about artificial intelligence. Well, that's the basis to artificial intelligence. We probably have 200 students that are in that program alone. And then the last thing I'll say is that as society pushes towards community colleges providing more technical career technical. We don't use the term vocational anymore. It's career technical. That term literally was taken out of the lexicon of career technical um, education. Yeah. So we have a workforce development unit that focuses specifically on these career track programs. Allied Health is definitely one of our anchor programs as well. However, we also have programs that lead to apprenticeships. We have an HVAC program, plumbing, electrician. We offer certificates and degrees in cybersecurity. Uh, We just recently partnered with the Navy to address issues around underwater welding, which is seemingly um, increasingly popular. Our auto tech program is definitely pretty popular, and we're looking to expand that by way of um, doing electric vehicle servicing to be able to train folks to be able to service electric vehicles. We're looking at programs in the wind turbine industry, and of course, there are more and more folks who are, are approaching us around cannabis and wineries. There are so many things that we offer at community colleges. And so these programs are probably going to morph and look different in five years or 10 years, depending upon what the needs are. I think you all have pretty much made the case for community college. <laughs> and I, I do appreciate that. Not that there's anything wrong with a wonderful four-year college degree, of course. But four-year college isn't for everyone. Not one particular thing isn't for everyone, and there's an avenue for uh, everyone to pursue, and community college can be one of them uh, for many people. Let's uh, get some information and find out how we can uh, find out more about Camden County Community College. Where can people go? You can go to our website at www.camdencc.edu. We also are on social media platforms. And Dr. Generals, how will we find out more about Pretty much the same thing. thing. (laughs) Um, ccp.edu. We're on social media as well. All right. And Sarah? I have a book called Paying the Price that's on Amazon. And my next book is actually called Real College. And I'm working on that right now. And you're you're on all the socials, of course. I'm on all the socials. All of them. (laughs) All right. Well, Dr. Uh, Lavelle Pugh-Bassett, Dr. Uh, Donald Generals, and uh, Sarah Goldrick-Rabb, thank you so much for coming on Bridging Philly and making the case for community colleges. We appreciate it. We learned a lot. Thank Thank you you so very much. It was great. Thank you. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. 
touring the rural United States in search of protecting civil rights for the LGBTQ plus community. Sharaday Howard talks with a Philadelphia lawyer about her mission to help those who still may not know their civil rights as we learn more with Shara in the city. In honor of Pride Month, Philly gay lawyer Angela Giampolo is hitting the road visiting LGBTQ communities across the nation that she says still are fighting for equal rights. That's what inspired her to take her caravan of hope on its inaugural journey across the country. And she's doing it all from her new home away from home. I am taking a 32-foot RV cross-country, 13 cities providing pro bono legal services to LGBTQ folks in underserved, typically rural areas. So you're going to get in this camper, you're going to go out, and you're going to spread the love. So where are you going first? First and foremost, Charlottesville, Virginia, here in Philadelphia. People don't realize, but HRC has a municipality index, and Philadelphia has been ranked number one, tied with Seattle, Chicago, San Fran, but we've been tied number one in the country because of Gloria Caceres and the trail that she blazed, Um, but we have regulations and laws on the books that protect folks here in Philadelphia, and people don't realize when things happen, like RBG dying and Trump getting elected and Amy Coney Barrett going to the Supreme Court, that people in other places like Alabama and Oklahoma, the fear that they feel, because it's already horrible to be LGBTQIA in those cities and states, and then add that. That intellectualizing versus emotionality of it, like Mm -hmm. we need to now make a bridge. And that's kind of what you're doing. You're making a bridge, you're going out into the world, Mm -hmm. and you're bringing not only hope, but you're bringing a possibility of what the future could look like. You know, there's a a woman who emailed me about four or five years ago, a black woman from Mississippi. It was two years after marriage equality had passed. And she asked me how she could adopt her partner's child because she couldn't get married, and what should she do? And she had Googled, and I was the only person that came up for her in Mississippi. And so... I called her up and I told her marriage equality had passed two years prior. People don't realize that in other places in the United States, you know, LGBTQ folks are fighting for just the Maslow's hierarchy of needs at some level, food, clothing, shelter. And it's a privilege to be able to explore and have fun with your identity, right? This woman was more concerned about putting food on the table and her and her partner had been together 27 years. She wasn't sitting there thinking about pride or like identifying as a lesbian or anything like that. So that has always stood in the back of my mind as like the person that I'm going to meet over and over and over on this trip is that woman from Mississippi. Didn't know, didn't realize that marriage equality had even happened and that they could get married and adopt a child, you know, all the legal blah, blah, blahs, right? Like how easy it was for her. She had no idea. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of Juneteenth, how easy it is just to miss it because you're being inundated with life and with all of the other injustices mm-hmm. and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's passed you by mm-hmm. somehow. You know, they don't have to go out looking for it. You're bringing it to their door. Now, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> and discuss with me, like, what is this going to look like, do you think? One of my favorite cities, which we just took off yesterday, was Arkadelphia, because it's Arkansas meets Philadelphia. (laughs) Who knew there's an Arkadelphia out there? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Why not, right? And of course, I'd be like, we're going. And then my team reached out, and they're like, we can't park a 32-foot RV. Everybody hates us. It's not okay to be gay. There's not one gay bar, not one gay-friendly establishment. 
So it was a big challenge for me to decide, do we go to the Arkadelphias of the world and just put this caravan of hope, which I have totally decaled out. Can't miss it, it's super gay. And then I thought about safety of folks that if we go to Arkadelphia with this super gay RV, right, with the progressive flag outside, and if they get on, they've outed themselves in this town of a thousand people. Would Matthew Shepard have gotten on to an RV, right? He would drive two hours to Laramie or take a a taxi or a limo service because he rocked, Um, (laughs) you know, two hours to Laramie. So he wasn't out in his small town. And so all the places I chose are like semi-pseudo mid-sized, not even large cities, other than Chicago and a couple of other places, but purposefully for safety reasons. These folks are used to driving two hours to go to somewhere where they're normalized and seen. So driving to the Caravan of Hope will be no different for them, but that it would actually be compromising the mission and their safety. Right, because ultimately, if they're not safe after they leave your RV, what's the point? What did I do? What did I do? Exactly. So you found a way around it. We're going to do a virtual. So mid-July, we'll let the dust settle when we get back, June 30th. And mid-July, July 15th through the 30th, I'll be doing a virtual version of this. So if you are actually uncomfortable stepping on the RV, if you couldn't make it, or for any reason you missed us, wherever you are, make an appointment during this two-week time period. And then you're in Wisconsin. And then I know the lawyer in Wisconsin, right? Because that's another thing. I'm not licensed in any of these cities, right? Give me an idea of where you're heading. So we start here in Philly. And from there, we go to Charlottesville, Virginia. And we went to Little Rock. And then Alabama, Oklahoma City, Laramie, Wyoming, Lincoln, Nebraska, (laughs) then Chicago, then Columbus, then Pittsburgh, and then finishing June 30th. This is totally grassroots. We're staying in RV camp grounds. And this is more than just LGBTQIA rights. These are human rights. I worked in human trafficking. I've worked in genocide. And after working in international human rights, moved back to the U.S. And this was the human rights issue that I'm most passionate. I mean, we have more, (laughs) right? Unfortunately, this is where we live. This is how we live now. Exactly. I want that RV to stand out. I want conversation to occur at this RV campground. So ultimately, you walk away from this. What would you like to have had accomplished? Mm. At the very least, I've personified that black woman from Mississippi that years ago fueled this thing in me that I was gonna go cross country and help all of these folks that don't have an opportunity to have out LGBTQ legal counsel, to normalize their existence, to change their name, to help them get divorced, to adopt their children. And really this is the foundational tour of many to come. So it's grassroots, it's community at its finest. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program, Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly, at Raquel on Air, and at Shara Day. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. For Shara Day Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. <laughs>